Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hour number two, Canuck Central, Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. This hour brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. Uh, this uh, is Canuck Central. We are in the Kintech studio. If you missed hour one of the program, we just had a conversation with Irfan Gaffar about uh, the state of the Canucks and some of the things that could be percolating next for the team with their roster as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. Also, a lot of information on Jim Rutherford and his future with the team. Is the speculation for real or is it not? As this texter says, Oh my God, can you guys stop fanning fires? Seriously. <laughs> That should put I mean, you should put that in your Twitter bio. You love to fan the fires. <laughs> I mean, hey, I don't know if I like. If anything, I put fires out mostly. Oh, Listen, maybe you you may have started one around J T. Miller though. Let's did I start a fire? I mean, uh, I don't know if it's starting a fire. Is it a starting a fire? All I said is like, hey, I mean, is it? I mean, people make it out to be such a big thing. How, what have we been saying for the, for for the longest time? There are two players that are not looking to move. Maybe one. <laughs> Everybody yeah. else could be Everybody traded. Else. Yes. Just one phone call away. Well, exactly. One phone call is going to change everything. The whole landscape of the world changes with one phone call, right? Everything I've said can be thrown out the window with one phone call, right? I mean, yeah, but – and even, you know, Rutherford himself has mentioned it. They have to consider things they weren't considering before. And, you know, you can't really view as, as this team having too many untouchables. And, again, they want value, but – is it going to happen? I mean, you know, I'm skeptical how many teams are going to be able to go out there and, and do that, right? Like There is a few that could, but you know, cap space is difficult. Cap space, very difficult. Uh, you can listen back to the full first hour of the show today and check out. There's a lot of info in there on uh, these types of things and what the Canucks may or may not be doing ahead of the trade deadline. But uh, games are still ongoing, Sat, and even though the results are not the um, main priority for this club at the moment, the process is, and we are uh, starting to get uh, more, at least tape, we're getting more uh, data to look at with Rick Tockett as head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, and you know they played, they had really two fantastic performances against you know, two pretty bad teams, right? Chicago and Columbus uh, before the All-Star break. Had a really tough night against the Seattle Kraken. So, so far until last night, you know, the Canucks had two bad teams. They beat them handily and played one good team and lost quite handily. Uh, but last night against the New Jersey Devils, a team that, you know, really had their way with the Canucks earlier this year at Rogers Arena, the Canucks kept up the pace with them for most of the night and outside of, you know, giving up three goals in 50 seconds, which is really not very good. And a trait that this team has held uh, since the Bruce Boudreaux days, um, they played really well against one of the top teams in the league. And it felt like uh, a more cohesive 
Canucks team than we had seen in any recent memory, especially against one of the league's top, top teams. Yeah, and one of the things I will preface it by saying, and I'm not trying to take anything away, but the Devils didn't look like themselves yesterday. Look like a team coming back off a lengthy break as well. Hey, same with Vancouver, but Vancouver has some extra motivation with Talkit and trying to accomplish some things, you know. So, so I do think that plays a part into you know how impressive it was. Like I do think there was a level of not taking the opponent as seriously coming off the break, and I, and I'm not taking anything, but I'm just saying just just that's something we we should note because one of the things that we've seen from this team this season, Dan, is they've had good performances. They've had performances where they've looked like they're putting it together against good teams. And then they don't follow through with it. Yeah. And then it's like we look back and we're like, well, technically, the Abs were playing back to backs or whatever. They even had injuries, or the uh, Golden State was playing a back to backs. They took the Canucks lightly because they came back from three goals down last game. And then you go through the list of games and you're like, okay, well, he- here are some mitigating circumstances why they won against a good team or why they look good against a good team. Yada yada yada. So just want to get that out of the way. But to your point, what we want to see is signs. We want to see signs of are there certain things you're doing that's going to be different and help you be a bit more successful. And I think the first goal of the game that we saw, a lot of it is, hey, sometimes you even see that in the past, but what they really want to do is hit players with speed through neutral zone. And the way Luke Shen, and there wasn't a ton of pressure, and that's why I go back to the Devils also not doing the things you're used to seeing. Patterson, you know, just goes around his own net. There's no pressure on Luke Shen when he has the puck, an easy pass. But what happens is Brendan Smith, he goes to take Bavillier, who's up high along the the far boards, but he's staying below the red line, closer to his own blue line. And what normally the Canucks have done is just get the puck up, up the wall in that sense, right? And the guy chips it out, tries to make a play, and they'll do a hook a ladder or whatever and, and try to get into the offensive zone. What they want to do now with Talkit more is make one pass out of your zone, and if you can, get somebody and they get, get it with control and they get a zone entry with control. If not... You have it enough and long enough that you can chip it in or at least throw it into the offensive zone. And I think that's one of the signs of how they want their breakouts to go, which is just one little sign of the things I think they want to do more of. Yeah, there was a couple of um, you know breakouts that you know led to some some quick chances. Uh, you know, the Bovillier bank pass through to Pedersen. You know, they did some really good things. You know, they they didn't get hemmed in their own end all that often or as often as we'd seen in the past. And even in some occasions when they did, it felt like they were smarter positioned or they were better positioned to keep the devils on the outside to the perimeter. And I know you talked about it a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago in the first few games that we saw with Tockett, but players making sure they don't overcommit going behind the net, vacating the dangerous space in front of the net, the home plate area, as we always talk about. Quite simply, like they did some little things that made it a more difficult for the Devils. Now, that being said, they still gave up five goals, right? And so still some things that they need to clean up. But, you know, some of the some of what we saw in that stretch of the three goals in 50 seconds was simply like the tried and true, like just simple mistakes that ended up 
you know, starting a snowball that they weren't able to slow down from growing. And you know, the third goal, Bavillier has a chance to get it deep. He doesn't do it. He regroups, and then it just becomes a mess after that, and the Devils end up scoring. The fourth goal, JT Miller makes a play along the wall in the corner and frees up the puck for Stillman, but Stillman doesn't know what to do with it, and it ends up in the back of the Canucks net. You know, simple things that – the Canucks have made mistakes on in the past, still ending up in the back of their net. But outside of that 50 seconds, you know, they did a lot of things really well. They did make it more difficult on the Devils than we've seen them, you know, on other teams. They just defended harder in areas than they have in previous games this season, especially against top teams. And certainly at the end of the game, they didn't give the Devils much. You know, even if you just look at natural statric, the high danger chances were four zip for the Canucks in that third period. Yeah, and I think they did a really good job, and to your point, to try to generate some of those chances. And I saw people texting in as well and kind of mentioning how they, they noted how the Canucks are doing a much better job kind of stopping at the goal uh, at the goal line as well, the defensemen not getting too far apart for the most part. And those are things we're seeing. And, and there were individual breakdowns, and that's the thing I kind of liked about the performance. And, yeah, I mean, it wasn't perfect, and they had some breakdowns. But if Tyler Myers is going to make a mistake and have issues with his gap control or put himself into pressure or if Riley Stillman's going to turn the puck over and it leads to a goal, I mean, sure, that's an individual making a mistake and that, that just shows you individual players who are just leaving you a lot, a lot to be, leaving a lot to be desired. It shows where they got to upgrade the roster. In a massive way, right? I think yeah. that's a huge part of it. And then the rest of it, though, I, I think, to your point, they were following it through pretty well. Now... Can they do it consistently a few more games for us mm-hmm. to look at it and say, okay, now they're on to something, and it's not going to change results. You'll lose more games as the season goes on most likely, and, and it'll continue that trend. But now they're trying to they're showing a bit of an identity with how they're playing and how they respond and, and, and how they handle themselves. And I think overall defensively, there have been some structural changes a little bit that we're seeing. They even skated today, which kind of tells you Tockett's really trying to fast-track the changes he's trying to implement. Uh, yeah, they have back-to-backs, uh, the New York Rangers tomorrow, and then the Islanders' first matchup against former captain Bo Horvat coming Thursday. Um, th- there was something Tockett said after the game that caught my ear as we continue to sort of um, you know, talk about the process and how Tockett is looking at this team you know, he, he, he does seem to go a little bit more in-depth on certain things than, than Boudreaux was and uh, this clip from Tockett uh, talked about you know, things they need to develop in their players in order to continue to get better. Well, that's like you said, part of the process. You know, bad things can happen sometimes. Things don't go your way, and uh, you're looking for fight from guys. And I saw that. You know, we still have to develop some wall guys. We got to de- develop some inside guys. And when you play talented teams, you got to make sure you're gritty in those in those situations where, you know three goals in 50 seconds you need somebody to kind of settle things down with a you know whether it's a good hit or something inside so I, I, but we'll, we'll develop those guys and I got to evaluate some other guys but yeah um the push was there you're right third period I thought we played well uh third period they played well um which we know but we got to develop some wall guys and we've got to develop some inside guys what does Rick Tockett mean by this 
So let's let's start with the wall guys, right? Because I think that's the easier easier description here. It's a lot of it just comes down to winning those puck battles, right? Like I think that's ultimately what it comes down to, and also being able to seal. And then that's something that you see oftentimes Canuck players have issues with, uh, not only in the offensive zone but also defensively when they're, when they're trying to get their seal, they, they can't get that in tight, and that takes a lot of effort. You know, it's it's effort, it's difficult, and there is a lot of leverage you got to learn uh, about, and, and and it's all individual. Like when it comes to skating in those tight areas a lot of it also comes down to you know how big you are what do you have to do to be successful but a lot of it ultimately comes down to one simple thing mindset and also having the ability to win those battles so i think when it comes to wall guys they need to have a guy especially when we look at something you've been talking about a lot here they want to have the type they want to have one person on a line that's good on getting in the forecheck but also can seal along the wall keep the puck in and help the cycle going right that's the type of player they want to have that helps out defensively for you to win battles and this is where Tanner Pearson has been at his best there yeah. were times even last season where defensively you saw he'd win a puck battle even on the PK along the walls and they'd be able to get the puck out right that's huge those are the types of defensive wall guys you need and that's I think what this team is lacking in like Dakota Joshua he has the frame for it but does he excel in it they still have to develop a lot of that stuff and that's what you know when you don't have guys who are naturally adept at doing those things it becomes a lot harder for you to be successful so you have to work even harder at it so I think that's part of talk it's saying okay we have to get some guys doing it and we also have to acquire guys that can do that it's uh one of the things um Besser uh, had done well earlier in his career, but mm-hmm. um, lately just hasn't done it as consistently as he used to. But you know, you know, even last night, I think New Jersey's one of those teams that isn't as as good or as strong on the walls as as maybe some others are, and the Canucks found some ways to have success there. But they've still got to develop that, and I think we saw some of that with you know Joshua and and Pod Colson, who were strong. You know, what did what did Tockett uh, call Pod? Colson after the game he called him a bull you know so uh you can tell that Tockett really sees and I think you know one of the players they want to develop into a a wall guy uh or you know continue to develop in a lot of different ways it's clearly Pod Colson and um the way Tockett spoke about him it wasn't just like a a flippant like oh yeah he played well it was I see a lot in this kid (laughs) you know kind of a Almost an, as excited as you'll see a coach get about a player when he's talking about uh, a, an individual. Well, especially a coach like Rick Tockett, right? Who I mean, he appreciates those things, and it's and it's hard to fight. I mean, fine, and you know, we joke about how you know, especially specifically, I'm becoming more of an old hockey guy. But part of it is also like that's an old hockey man. I am an old hockey man. I really am becoming one. But also, I, I do think there's a reality here that we have to pay attention to that. There's a scarcity in those types of players, and the game does change in the postseason, and until that's going to be different, there's certain types of players you're going to have to have to be successful, and even throughout the course of a long regular season. And there are fewer and fewer players that can do that stuff effectively and also be able to provide you some other tangible assets, right? And that's why a guy like Put Colson, even if he doesn't become that 70, 80-point guy or whatever it is, even if he's a 40-point guy, 50-point guy, but has the speed, is able to do those things, like imagine being like a higher-end version of Tanner Pearson, essentially, with, with more speed and more drive and more ability, even if that's not a superpower forward. That's a rare player. Those are hard players to find and guys that you need to have to be successful. And there's just those guys are becoming more and more scarce, right? It's harder to find those types of players. We talk about it defensively, but even offensively. Everybody wants to 
do the skill thing. Like how many players are able to do those things. So I think that's a huge part about developing it. And also, when he talks about inside guys, I think a lot of that is you can talk about your forwards and you can talk about your defensemen. You have your defensemen that have to protect the inside, right? You talk about them protecting the front of the net and, yep. and everything. But I also think a big part of that, Dan, is having forwards that are consistently on the right side of the puck. Right? Are, are you positioning yourself where you're protecting the inside? And being on the right side of the puck along the wall, especially defensively, is a lot of hard work. Like, you, you gotta battle like hell to be on the right side of the puck consistently. You gotta be strong, you gotta be tough, you, you can't take no for an answer. And those types of players are also lacking. You know, and, and JT, as much as he battles, he doesn't really have defensive intelligence. Like, you see him trying to battle, you see him in the right spot, you see him, be try to get into the, you know chase a guy, but he's on the wrong side of the puck. He's on the outside instead of being on the outside, mm-hmm. uh, inside. And then you'll see him go into engage on engage into a war, uh, wall battle in the offensive zone, and he'll be on the wrong side of the puck instead of being on the right side of the puck. And those are just natural instincts, but it's also a lot of hard work to do that. And those are the types of things I think they want to they, they that he's trying to talk about here. Well, it's uh, you know the the inside guys you know, as you talk about that. You know this is where the Canucks have really struggled staying on the right side of the puck whether that's you know in the offensive zone you know oftentimes getting three players below the puck right Mm -hmm. and you know you end up with a three on two going back the other way or some kind of odd man transition rush that goes back the other way and the Canucks have had this problem for years now and haven't found ways to fix it uh it felt as though last night um some decisions they were making about when to pinch, especially later in the game. Uh, they, they made better decisions, and it resulted in fewer odd man rushes going back the other way as well, and that was on the defenseman. So you know, when you talk about being on the right side of the puck, you know, it is, again, it's these things that we talk about that are so incredibly cliche but matter so much, especially in tight games. You know, the, the details of the game and not over, uh, you know, over committing to trying to get that offensive chance or, hey, if if I'm here and, the, and this puck pops out uh, out of the corner and I'm right there in the slot, all of a sudden I've got a great chance. Well, yeah, but, you know, you might be living in a fantasy land and playing the small percentage play. Here we are in a, you know, one goal game. We can't afford to take that chance or things of that nature. You know, the the cliche that that talk it keeps talking about too. You have to live to see another shift. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these types of things they sort of filter into uh the, these these little things, these developing wall guys, developing inside guys, you know, the things you have to do sort of all filter into that sad. Yeah, and there are a lot of players they have to add that do those things. But to your point, there are certain players individually here that can do a better job of it. Like, uh, you know, John in Canby Village says getting to the spot and positioning your body could seemingly be taught if the player is fast enough or can have the right angles to get there. That's John in Canby Village. I think a lot of that can be taught, but a lot of it is instinctual too. The game happens so quickly. Like instinctually, do you know where to go and can you process that quick enough and do it consistently? A lot of it just comes down to your effort and working at it. But again, def- defensive work, Dan, sure, there are instincts to it, but a lot of it comes down to effort. It ultimately comes down to effort. Like, if you are a big enough body, mm-hmm. do you work hard enough consistently to do that? Because it's a lot of hard work. And that's why, as much as, and I know you always defend Tanner Pearson, and, you know, we joke about that. But, but, but there's a like, reason every coach loved Tanner Pearson here in Vancouver. Yeah. 
There is, because I mean, a guy that engages in those things consistently and use and comes out on the right side of it consistently, those are hard things to do, right? And especially if they're doing so, providing some level of offense, despite being imperfect, it's still it, it's somebody you need to have on your team. Now, again, it's the age-old question: At what point do you need to have that player? How much do you pay that player? And what's the opportunity cost of giving that player that contract when you have other things available available to you? So that's what it comes down to ultimately, but. That's where this team is going towards, and I and I do think, as boring as it sounds, you know, as cliche as it sounds, these are the basics that this team has to get back to. Like they they have to start really building on, and they have to acquire players that do those things. And and a lot of it is boring in the sense of we're talking about guys that are just battling out there. We're talking about players that don't don't, don't always necessarily move the needle offensively and make the team more exciting, but just kind of prop you up and make you a better hockey team. And talking understands. You're not going to have everybody be that type of player. You need to have your skill guys. You need to have guys that do other things. But how do you fill your team out? And and how willing is your team, even if that's not your strength, to consistently at least try to do those things? Um, it's been too long that they haven't played with this sort of... Uh... It's an overused term in Vancouver, but structure. And... The players, it looks as though they've they've embraced it early on, even when they talk. You know, Pedersen in his interview with 32. Uh, how many other guys have we heard talk about just this idea that, you know, it probably helps us to have rules, right? And, and I think they've embraced that early here. Uh, of course, it's going to be about doing it consistently and, you know, can they keep doing that? You know, do they not get away from it? Once, you know, it is starting to stick. Can they carry that? Can they bring that back in training camp next year and start the season with it? Not let it go like we've seen them do in other years. You know, these are, you know, the long-term goals, the big picture things that, that Rick Tockett and his staff have to figure out. But it, it's pretty obvious that they've embraced some of these things in the early going of this new new coaching staff. And they have to. You know, yeah. I think, you know, they have to. And, and to me, for me being convinced, they have to continue doing so. And I think a lot of players here still have to change. And, you know, the player that I'm more most interested in seeing do those things is JT Miller. You know, and we talked about him a bit earlier on the show. But in terms of being a center, those are the types of things, being an inside guy. And he's good at winning battles along the boards. But as a center, man, he doesn't always protect the inside well enough. He's in the right spot, and to your point, and, and, and I think you've done a really good job this year illustrating that he's been in the right spot, but he's not quite in the right spot. Like, he's yeah. there, but not quite. You know, like, that's kind of what it's been. Well, even in OT last night, you know, he's he's in a spot, but what is he doing to, like, block that pass from getting across? He's not doing he, anything. No, I mean he he takes a stick away from the shooting lane and 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 puts it puts it out the other uh, on the other side where there's already some traffic. So you just open a lane. Now you having a stick in a lane does not mean a shot may not be taken and it may not go through and it may not go in. Like those things could still happen, but it's just less likely. You know, and those are the types of things they have to do better of, and we've talked about throughout the season. So when we see those things get honed in, when we don't see oftentimes players leave lanes open and you know they're on the right side of the puck consistently, and we see them play clean hockey, just in terms of what your responsibilities are, that's when I'll start buying into, okay, maybe these guys are getting it. Uh, we're going to have uh, Don Taylor coming up uh, next here on uh, Canucks Central. Continue the Canucks talk and uh, get into more around the league as well. It's Stan Richo, Satyar Shah. You are listening to Canucks Central. 
Big opinions and good bets. It's the People Show with Big Nizar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This hour of Canuck Central is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. We are in the Kintech studio. It's uh, Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.com. Net. Let's bring in our next guest. He joins us uh, usually every Monday, but with yesterday's game, he got pushed to Tuesday. It is Don Taylor. Donnie and Dolly, 10 to noon on Czech TV. Donnie, the Canucks always giving us things to talk about, hey? <laughs> yeah, where do, where, where do we begin? Um, I thought last night's game was really entertaining. I tweeted that out and then took it back with the three goals in 50 seconds, and then and then they come back. So it ended up being almost as entertaining as the Flames and Rangers. But, guys, that the news about Jake Vertanen today is really, really disappointing. Uh, I don't know where you want to begin, but, man, that's, 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 uh, that's, that's disappointing. Yeah, I mean, there's something that just came up uh, a bit earlier that so it looks like uh, his club is cutting ties with him because he got into a fracas with uh, one of his teammates on the Swiss club. That, that's the, the story that I saw that yeah. kind of popped up before we went on air today. Yeah, and uh, it looks like he's done with that team. And I, I don't know, you know, when the Swiss trade deadline is or anything like that. But uh, uh, looks like they're either going to set him free completely or try to unload him, uh, try to trade him. And, and I say disappointed. Look, I know there's a lot of baggage with Jake. And when that the subject of Jake comes up, Jake Fortana comes up, there's a, there's a lot to talk about. But from a hockey point of view and a potential point of view. Uh, it's just really, really disappointing because there was there was a, a lot there, and now you just wonder what the what the next step is for for him. Yeah, he had uh, I think 15 goals in 21 games, and they're yeah. about to go yeah. to the playoffs. Um, so it's uh, not a good situation if they're saying uh, yeah. we don't want any part of this uh, yeah. for Jake Vertanen. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, guys, I still I can I say one more thing with, yeah. with Jake Vertanen? And again, this is on the ice. Okay, so. Uh, off the ice maybe for another day, but I still wonder about those shoulder issues he had going into his first pro season. And I, I still wonder just, you know, where that aggressiveness we saw with the Calgary Hitmen and in minor hockey for people who followed him for a long time. I just wonder where that went. And I, and I wonder if, if that, if, and again, I, I don't have any inside information, uh, but I just wonder where that aggressiveness went. And I wonder if it had something to do with the shoulder issues. Uh, you know, it's it goes back to, uh, you know, uh, and something this management group is trying not to do. You know, we, we saw with uh, some of the reaction to Nils Hoaglander remaining with the Abbotsford Canucks right now and yeah. continuing to, to work on his game. You just you can't rush prospects to the NHL. The NHL is not a development league. It is uh, where you are to you know show off who you are. You're you're playing with the best of the best, and you know at, at least right now you know for for all the things about this management group and the jury is definitely still out on how they've done things so far. They seem to be getting the the Abbotsford thing down right 
this year, Donnie. And I do, I don't mind at all that they're keeping some players down there for some extra coaching and development and seasoning, if you will, if that's what it's going to take to get these guys to play some defense at the top level. Yeah, and I can't imagine how Hogliner feels with, you know, DiGiuseppe, although he was already kind of up already. But, you know, uh, Colson not only um, uh, playing last night after after getting called up and Amon, but in the case of Put Colson getting big uh, praise, and what did he get over 15 minutes of playing time from, from Rick talking? That, that must have stung a little bit. But look, look uh, we taken our shots at Patrick Alvine and Jim Rutherford, but they came from the Pittsburgh system. And I, I realize they, they, they have Crosby, they have Malkin, they've had a lot of great players like Chris Letang and others in that system, and they managed to get uh, a couple of Stanley Cups out of that particular group, and of course uh, another one going way back to '09. but they really did a great job of percolating their prospects, like Gensel, like, like Russ, they kept, kept them down to Wilkes-Barre maybe too long, like Detroit used to do back in the day with their prospects, and it, it, it really worked. So again, there's no shortage of criticism for the new management group, but it looks like that's something they they may be getting right. I mean, it is. I mean, it certainly does look like look like it is, and at least they're doing the right things. And there has been a lot of successes so far this year in Abbotsford that I know the organization is happy about, and we'll see if that does lead to you know some success here for them. And you know, before we move on to some of the other things we're talking about, you know, these young guys. But what did you think of Vasily Podkolzin and how he played? Well, you know, um, I, I, it's funny. My kid said, Dad, he's playing really aggressive tonight. Like, he's really, you know, this is a 16-year-old kid. He's playing, playing aggressive tonight. He looks really good. Looks really like, like he's playing with a lot of confidence. And then after the game was over, uh, Rick Tuckett used the word bull in a good way uh, to describe uh, Vasily Podkolzin. And he also said, we, it's going to be great working with that kid. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I thought he was really, really noticeable uh, last night. Um, I just, just, yeah, I don't know if he's going to be a 20, 30 goal scorer, but you do notice him out there. At least he did this time around. It was really, really encouraging against a really fast, skillful New Jersey team that sits third in the overall standings. I thought it was, it was a great time. I think, I think most people would agree. He looked better. He -hmm. looked like a more noticeable, better player. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like he's always, you know, had some two way smarts. At the very least, and I, I can see why that, that'll play, especially with the way uh, Rick Tockett talked about him after the game. I'll, I'll take 30, mo- 30 more of those, Donnie, uh, if we can for the rest of the year, right? Like exciting, hard-fought, one-goal loss. Like the Canucks could use a few more of those for the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. and I mean, just last night was so encouraging watching uh, a Sportsnet, my old haunt, uh, all of last <laughs> night. And <laughs> There's no bitterness there. No, anyway, um, watching those two games last night, <laughs> like the Canucks Devils, it was a, it was such a. I thought it was a really good game. You know, save if you're a Canuck fan and those 50 seconds in the second period, them coming back and not just coming back, but getting goals from those unexpected sources and the controversy in overtime with the non-call, then the call. There was just a lot there. The crowd really seemed energized, especially by Jack Hughes. So that was great. Then they cut to the Rangers Flames game. It was better. It was like old school hockey, and I I know it's not for everybody, but I didn't see anybody at Madison Square Garden leaving, and the home team ended up winning. It was just fabulous, and you know, you know, led to the question: Do you want Jacob Truba on your team? Well, last night uh, the Rangers certainly did. It was just it, it was really exciting playoff type hockey, and I know the Canucks aren't headed to the playoffs, but that was somewhat of a playoff. 
playoff type game last night with the connection. Like I said, that Rangers Flames game was was even better. And I think both those teams are kind of teams that are somewhat built to be playoff teams. And I think the Rangers have been disappointing as well, especially offensively. Some of their young guys, even though Philip Hedl's had success, a lot of their young guys haven't been as prolific scoring-wise, which they've hoped, and they haven't scored a lot. And same thing with the Flames. But don't they both look like teams that are going to be, you know, hell to play against in the postseason? Well, I, w- I would agree with that, except for, uh, you know, one thing when it comes to the Rangers and the Devils, that Eastern Conference is a bear. You've got the Bruins, you've got the Hurricane, you, you, Hurricanes, you've got the Leafs. Yes, folks, they're a pretty good team. Uh, you, you've got uh, all, uh, you know, the Islanders are trying to make a run with, with, with Bo or that. Uh, there, there's, just, there's the Lightning. There's just a whole lot there. There's un- some unpredictability at the bottom of the playoff contenders. That's, that's a tough goal for, for the Rangers, for the Devils, for anybody in that Eastern Conference. But it's really, really interesting. What was it last year, guys? I'm pretty sure around, well, it's even before this time last year where you kind of knew who the eight teams were going to be in the East. And it, it, it seems a, a little more unpredictable this time around, although you have to think Boston, it would be a heavy favorite. Uh, how surprised are you that Bo got the contract he did? Uh, not surprised that he got the contract. I'm surprised he got it from Luke Amarello. <laughs> uh, you know, and he, he said himself too long, uh, too much money. So, so there's that. Um, I'm not surprised. Yeah, the, the numbers are eye popping, especially when you look at the other uh, contracts that they have and all the all the centers that that, that they have. But uh, guys, I gotta think that they didn't make that deal. They wouldn't have made that deal unless they were pretty confident of signing him. So, uh, the, and and the best indication of that is just how quickly it came together. I don't think those things just happened. So I wasn't totally surprised. I, I was maybe surprised by the extra five hundred grand he got past what JT Miller's getting. Uh, I'm not comparing the two. I just thought that that was an obvious comparable that Lou would agree to, but I, w- I wasn't totally shocked. I think it became clear that Bo was going to get a lot more money than anybody bargained for a little bit earlier, and that's part of the reason why, you know, when they didn't sign him in the off season, the, his number just became so big, they were never going to do it. So when that passed, it just became kind of obvious. Now, you know, big picture-wise, uh, Donnie, there are a lot of discussions around this team. And, you know, I know Elliot mentioned this, and I know uh, Rick's been talking about this as well. There have been a lot of things coming out recently. I mean, there have been a lot of rumors around this team. I know the organization wants to get a handle on how this stuff is always getting out. But it seems like there's always something new to talk about every day. In terms of the next big trade, the Demko stuff seems to come and go. What do you make of uh, all the stuff around Thatcher Demko? Yeah, interesting. Uh, at practice today, uh, or at least he skated today at Madison Square Garden in full gear, he looked like, again, this is from a, a distance and some shaky video courtesy of Murph, but it looked like he was uh, ready to go. So read into that what you will. I'm not a doctor or a, or a trainer by any means. It's just... Uh, you know, if, if he were to go, I'd wonder about Tristan Jari, if something would happen there, especially with the, uh, with the P- Pittsburgh connection. But I don't know. I, I think with, with Demko, you know, we're what, a, a few months away, or a few months removed from calling him a, a star franchise goaltender. He has a bad stretch, possibly with an injury the whole time, and you're going you're gonna to trade him. I just, I, I, I highly doubt that they would. Now, I could be, I could be wrong. But I just think you don't you just don't give up on on a guy because he has a, a bad stretch or maybe you don't like his personality. Can he stop stop pucks? We've seen it in the past. And, and guys, I, I think the other thing that's happening with the goaltending position, and you guys know this, you've been around long enough, and 
certainly this is the case lately. But goaltending it used to be just such an athletic position where you dove in front of pucks, where you stretched across to make a, a, an enormous kick save and, and all that, and you know, big glove saves and all that. Now it's become a game of technique. Goaltending is about technique. And I think goaltending now, you'll see players, uh, goaltenders get into slumps because their technique is off, much like a golf swing, much like a field goal kicker, things like that. So it's become so, so technical that I think when guys have blips of failure, I think you've got to let them try to get it back. That would be my guess with Thatcher Debko. It would have to be um, a pretty exciting package coming back, right? You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. he's such a good goalie, Donnie, and, and this whole idea of retool versus rebuild. If you trade Demko, you know, aren't you looking at more of a longer-term plan than the one that they've sort of talked about here? Yeah, and I, I don't think it's one that they want to go through. They've said it. They, 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 like the last regime, they don't want to see rebuild. And you see, guys, I, this is my what I've been told through the last few years, is that executives, coaches that have been around for a while, if, if they are even if they're in favor of a rebuild, they still want players around to be competitive. They want players around that are going to allow their teams to be competitive because, well, first of all, you have to put people in the buildings and the building, give them hope. But also for the young players, you, you would rather have them in a rebuild, retool, whatever the hell you want to call it, losing games 3-2, 4-2, 2-1 versus 8-2 versus 9-3. Like you, you just do not want that. You have to keep. You have to keep somewhat competitive. And the number one way you would do that is a pretty good goaltender, I think, anyway. So, uh, I, I, again, my guess would be Depko is going to stick around. Could be wrong. We know the Tristan Jerry connection with Pittsburgh. He's a UFA. But my guess is he's sticking around. I just think it's going to be difficult, ultimately. I mean, to make that deal and then have a succession plan. It just, it just seems like a lot, especially by the trade deadline. And, you know, in terms of the next move happening, it doesn't seem like it's going to be Demko and we'll see ultimately if it is, if it is something that may surprise us, but as much as there's talk around Besser and I know Kuz had an article today mentioning the devils speaking to his agent and the Minnesota wild as being teams that are of interest they've spoken to, but I don't know. Like I'm still, I still am skeptical that we're going to see a Brock Besser deal, you know, imminently or anytime soon. I think it might just have to take, take some time still. Okay, shameless plug here. You know who does know? Ben Hankinson. Yeah. Agent for Besser and for Shen. He's on our show tomorrow. Check TV. Check it out. So we'll, Love we'll, we'll get some. We'll get, we'll get. And you know who set that up, old Rick there. Um, so uh, he'll be on the show uh, tomorrow. Uh, you know, smoke fire with, with Besser. I mean, the, the Canucks are allowing Ben Hankinson to shop his client. Um, something's something's going to happen there. And as for Shen, I just I look at that roster and I know you know we didn't name him an alternate captain or anything, but does anybody scream Rick Dockin more than than Luke Shen? Yeah. I I don't think so. I I, I wouldn't be surprised. We'll, we'll talk more with uh, Hankinson tomorrow, but I wouldn't be surprised if he stuck around or or, or left and came back for a, a second uh, time. Or I guess it would be a third time. Uh, so um, yeah, I I think with Besser the time is short. I wouldn't be so sure with Shen, even though he's a UFA. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see where that one goes because um, 
Uh, they need as many picks as they can get. It just doesn't make a ton of sense yeah. to keep uh, keep yeah. Luke Shen around right now. No, no, you're 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 right. You're absolutely right. But I just wonder, if, you know, going back to what I said earlier about being, you know, coaches wanting to be somewhat competitive. There's there's a guy that can allow you to do that to some extent and and teach the young guys a, a thing or, or two. But you know what? You're absolutely right. It's what's the be- what's best for the team, Rick talk it or not. Yeah, you want to get some picks back. You know the the thing with uh, Shen, he's he's um, kind of like uh, Jacob Truba in a way, where like they're the only guys around the league that know how to throw open ice hits. Donnie, uh, yeah. you know, everybody was going nuts over the uh, Truba hits last night, and the the one on Kadri. I mean, about oh. as perfect a hit as you'll see in in a hockey game. Doesn't leave his feet. Uh, you know, catches a guy going through the middle of the ice, but doesn't catch his head. Just a a big old school vintage open ice hit, which we don't really get anymore and I wonder you know if Truba's just kind of cornered this market because you know guys aren't expecting the big hit in open ice anymore yeah no that, that's got to be part of it doesn't it that back in the day and I hate to be old man yelling at the cloud here but back in the day you know it was you, you expected that sort of thing so you kept your head up now you don't see it as much and I wonder if it's going to become a trend because it's not a bad not a bad weapon and I was surprised yesterday looking at the hit stats in the National Hockey League Luke Shan leads the NHL in hits, and Truba's tenth, and and I think he's like like quite a significant number, like fifty or seventy five hits behind uh, Shan. But the quality of the hits is and and just how devastating they are, and the things that stick out uh, with Truba, he's a menace. And I, I just imagine him in a playoff series, and you know how he will target players and how he'll become a target. Madison Square Garden would be a fun place. It always is a fun place to play, a fun, fun place to be when there's a, a hockey game, but especially a playoff game if Kruba's involved. Donnie, what do you make of all this stuff around Rutherford? Uh, whether or not he's going to stay or, or not? Yeah, I mean, we, we had this stuff before. I mean, retirement came up, and then, you know, the Simmons article and everything. I mean, I, I know there's been, you know, I know Rick mentioned there's been talk around the league about this. Every time I check in on it, I'm told, no, he doesn't want to go anywhere. But what do you make of this being persistently out there? Well, um, yeah, it, it, it's out there. Um, I, I just think with Jim Rutherford, he's going to be 74 later this month. So there's that. But one of our viewers pointed out today, Lou Lamorello is running a team at 80 and, you know, swung a pretty big deal and and seems to really just love it. And I think uh, Rutherford is the same way. Plus, guys, he just put together this pretty unique uh, front office that clearly needs a, a veteran hand. I, I just, he's a competitor. He's a hockey player. I can't see him wa- walking away from it unless, like he says, there's health issues. And he's, he's come up publicly and said, if, if there's any health issues, uh, you know, m- maybe I'm out of here. But I just, I can't see him, from, from what I've heard, just walking away from something that he's built that in the last week or so, uh, just just slightly, the story's changed a bit. The, the, the people may be just a little, this is connotation, so they're negative by nature, just a little bit more on side. I can't see him at this point say, saying goodbye but again, I know I know his age, so anything's possible. My guess would be no. Uh, it is Super Bowl week, Donnie. What, what's uh, what's the perfect Super Bowl snack for Don Taylor? Uh, the perfect Super Bowl snack is anything, as long as there's not a lot of people around. <laughs> uh, I've been to too many Super Bowl parties where you know uh, some somebody walks in and says, "Only oh, that player's cute," or you know, "What's the score?" Oh, it's uh, uh, Kansas City thirteen. 
uh, Philadelphia 19. They get it backwards. I just, I can't. It's 1319. I, I, I can't do it. I have to watch games alone, so I don't care what I have. Bear and a beef, uh, popcorn, whatever the case may be, as long as I'm fairly lonely. And, and with people who know uh, NFL football, those sports, and I know I sound like a snob right now, but it just I, I've just been to, and you guys are probably the same. <laughs> I just, I, I can't do it. I can't. I can't watch with a lot of people. I used to, but not anymore. Uh, big screen TV, uh, some chips, and uh, and a lazy boy. That's uh, that's Donnie's uh, ideal you. Super Bowl yeah. party. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Donnie. Anytime, guys. Lots of fun. Uh, there he is, Don Taylor. Uh, Donnie and Dolly, Check TV, 10 to noon, Monday through Friday. Uh, Going to get into, uh, I guess, a lot more uh, Super Bowl fun as the week goes on. Yeah, I mean. we got a couple of games it. over the next couple of days, though. Well, yeah, it'll be busy on Friday. We can we can have some fun with it, and uh, maybe some fun in the mailbag, and we'll, we'll look at some props. You know, we do that, uh, so that's something we'll do coming up on uh, on the show on Friday. Yeah, two game days coming up, back uh, to back, Wednesday, and, Thursday, and Saturday morning we are in for the big time early game. We got pregame firing up at eight a.m. Saturday morning. Sat. Oh, I was looking. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. it's that Saturday already. <laughs> it's that Saturday. Yeah, okay. and we'll be on Sports Pacific bright and early. So I might, <laughs> I might have to bring the espresso for for that show for sure. My goodness, I'm gonna have to wake up at like six a.m. on on Saturday. Yeah, good times. Uh, and that, that <laughs> is, by, yeah. No, uh, Bo Horvath got his first goal as an Islander. Yeah, uh, he did. A nice little pass from. Um, from Matt Barzal into Bo Horvat, and he slaps at it, goes top shelf. Uh, they are beating the Seattle Kraken four zip right now, so it's all Islanders as uh, Bo Horvat opens his account, his 32nd of the season. I'll use as many soccer terms as I can. Okay, don't don't get mad at me. No, all right. I mean, I don't mind the soccer <laughs> terms, although it may, it may come off as a little pretentious. Okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Just a little bit. Speaking of Super Bowl parties, Sportsnet 650 has teamed up with the Clayton Public House out there in Surrey to bring you the big football party on Super Sunday, February 12th, hosted by Randeep Janda. Reserve your table now at theclaytonpub.com. We'll have tailgate and drink specials, plus prizing throughout the day. Kickoff at 3.30. The Clayton Public House. Good food, good people, good times. I'll be there as well, but I'm not hosting. I'm just going to like sit there, maybe have a couple of pints, and enjoy the game. So That's not bad. That's all right. Could be worse. That's not bad. Sounds like a good time. Uh, I'm, I'm all in on the Eagles, I think. All right. After my experience at the Eagles bar in Los Angeles. So. All right. All right. Uh, all right. I'm not. I'm not changing teams. I'm still still a Seahawks guy, but you know. So now you're an Eagles. Now you're an Eagles. Yeah, I'm going with the Chiefs. Fly the Eagles, Chiefs. fly for this uh, for this Super Bowl. I got the Chiefs. I think we'll talk more about it, mm. but uh, I think I got the Chiefs. All right, all right. Uh, we'll talk more about it as the week goes on. Got a game day tomorrow against the New York Rangers. We'll have Kevin Woodley on the show, plus pregame starting at four o'clock for a five o'clock puck drop. You've been listening to Canuck Central.